Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Hallmarked Up. Um, this is the third movie we watched, right, Mary? Yes, for this all right, all right, particular for holiday this season. season. And it's, it's November 8th, and we're recording this. And we missed, of course, as we all know, many, many other movies. But we chose to watch this week Next Stop Christmas, which had quite an interesting cast. Some of our favorites from Back to the Future, Goy, Leah Thompson, and Christopher Lloyd. And then some newcomers. Wait, anyway, who's Christopher Lloyd in this? Christopher Lloyd the was conductor. The, the conductor. He was the conductor. Oh. Yes. That's, that's Mr. Doc. From yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I knew he was Doc. I didn't Doc recognize Brown. him. As a conductor. Before we go any further, we should introduce our guest for this week. Yes, of course. So thank you, Matt, for joining us once again. Those of you who are longtime listeners might remember Matt from um, our last few seasons. He has always been a welcome guest with some great commentary. Hi, hi, everyone. Yeah, this is Matt, train nerd, insurance spreadsheet guy, and I guess they brought me on to talk about the train, uh, not so much about the insurance spreadsheets, which is you know best for everybody. I think we definitely know that Matt's into trains, and in fact, I believe last year you also did a time travel one with us. So this is like now becoming a bit of a theme. Yeah, yeah. The, so last year I did uh, I, I did a time travel movie. This one, this one has you know I movies that time travel and trains like that is very highly calculated to pander to me. So yes. I, I just wanted to lay that out there when I say that I hated this movie. Oh, this... Back to the Future. Yeah, that that's the third thing that trains and Back to the Future and and time travel more generally. And I was never as primed as I was to come in liking one of these movies, and I hated it. Which is interesting, because I recall you actually rather liked last year's time travel movie. I did, oh, I we did. we all I, agreed I, that one was yeah. good. This was the, the time traveling with the clock, mansion, old guy, used to live in the yeah. mansion, blah, blah, blah. Even my mother hated this movie. My mother loves Hallmark movies. I think the dumber the better. In this one, she was distraught. It, how much she disliked it no fair enough oh a timeless christmas i had to look up what the one was yeah. that we did last year with you matt because uh, it was really bothering me but i couldn't think of what it was yeah um, yeah i actually i re-listened to that episode recently and i was sort of afraid i was losing my losing my edge but uh, don't worry it's back i have to admit i tried to watch this in two separate sittings and i still can't tell you exactly what happens in it all but I was disappointed for sure. We'll get in the recap, but because Christopher Lloyd was in one of my all-time favorite Hallmark movies, and it, it it was very very good, and he was great in it, and he played like a grandfather character. It's called Just in Time for Christmas, and I think I had you watch that one, Mary. This is also a time travely one where she gets ch- a chance to see her life differently. But Christopher Lloyd was much better than that. And it also had Captain Kirk. So that might have been pretty good for you too, Matt. You might have to check that one out sometime. I had no, I, they, they legit had William Shatner in one of these. This this is the one, well, he's done a few, but this this one was like a, 
It used to call them the Hallmark Hall of Fame, and it was like the ones they spent a bit more cash on. Okay. And it, yeah, they Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, and William Shatner, and it was good. It was good. I, I actually really enjoy that one. In fact, the reason I looked it up is because I purchased it on Prime. That's how much I actually liked it, so I could watch it more than one time. <laughs> I don't think I can say I've ever felt that way about a Hallmark movie. I, I know this was this was. Have I ever had you watch it? It's good. It's it's. She's oh, you did watch it, I think, because she's a professor. Oh, perhaps. Well, we should probably get into the recap of this one. Yeah, let's kick it off, Mary. Next right. stop, Christmas. So our main character is Angie, and there are a few things we learn about Angie and her family and friends right off the bat. The first thing is Angie is a neurosurgeon. The second thing is that was super that- big time for Hallmark. That's like a real job, like a smart yeah, person it's, job. It's, you know, it's a glamour job, but it's also something I really liked about this. I'll talk about this a bit more later, is that the plot didn't revolve around her glamour job. Um, True. But it, it was, and I actually had big hopes that this would be like some kind of crossover Grey's Anatomy kind of thing. Uh, but no, that was no. never in the cards. Sorry. No. So we can't do trains and Grey's. You can have one or the other. You can't have both. It's too much. So Angie is a neurosurgeon. And it's Christmas Eve, and we learn several things about her family because she is on call this Christmas Eve, but not tomorrow for Christmas Day. And she immediately hits the bar with her friend Sabrina and colleague. And can we talk about the fact that she's a neurosurgeon on call who hits the bar? Yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea. I I don't know if that's allowed, quite frankly, but whatever, it's Hallmark. Well, and to be fair, hitting the bar in Hallmark doesn't really happen much anyway. No actual neuropatients were harmed in the making of this movie, so, as far as I'm aware. I'm sure there was yeah, that no we know of. Right. Yeah, that we know of. It's possible. No that... used. So anyways, Angie's a neurosurgeon. She hits the bar with her friend Sabrina, and we learn all these things in her, con- in her conversation with Sabrina at the bar. One is that her parents in the last two years have been going through a divorce, and her dad lives in Phoenix now, and she is very upset about this. And so going home for Christmas wouldn't be the same anyways, even if she were planning on doing it. Second thing is that her sister Kristen has one son named Henrik, and she's trying to adopt a second child. And there is a problem with the adoption. It is stalled. And then the next thing we learn is that there is a very famous sports commenter on TV that Sabrina comments on his hot mess. And we find out that he is Angie's ex-boyfriend. Tyler Tyler Grant. His name is Tyler Grant. I'm kind of wondering how good of friends are Sabrina and Angie that like this has never come up? That is a really good point because aren't they they colleagues though too? Didn't you work at the hospital with them? Yeah, they worked at the hospital together. So maybe they don't. This is a long time ago. Maybe not, but still. It seems like the kind of thing that 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 someone would mention. Especially if this dude is like famous, you probably would say something about it. Right. Like, oh yeah, this guy's on TV all the time, by the way. Like we used to screw. I used to sleep Um, with him. Right. He's Um, he's also super hot. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought that they've definitely stepped up the caliber of men this year. Yeah, the, the caliber of look looks, the lookers are increased yeah, this year. They've done a good job. So anyways, so anyways. So yeah, um, at the bar, find so out about Tyler Grant. Tyler, and we find out that they used to date, and what happened was it was when she was in med school, and his career was just getting going. And he um, went home to Christmas for Christmas with her to meet her family with the intention of asking her father for her hand, which he did. And more on that later, I thoughts as one can imagine. And then when he proposed to her, she said no, because the timing was off and they were in med school 
she was in med school and it, it was just a bad time and she didn't want to get married. His career was taking off as a sport. His career was test, taking so. off. The timing was all wrong. So they broke so up. So we're really, yeah, setting up the the one who got away as as kind of the, the theme here. Right. Yeah, definitely. Now, at this same bar, she and Sabrina run into Ben, who is an old childhood friend of Angie's. I, I want to give a little bit of credit to... Um, uh, to Chandler Massey, I think was the actor who played Ben. And I, uh, there was a lot, uh, there was a lot wrong with this movie. I don't think the performances of the leads were, were one of them. I, and I think kind of Ben in particular had like sort of a, a, a kind of a good kind of like natural manner. Like he's seen the two leads had, had good chemistry. So that, that stuff all kind of worked. That might be the last nice thing I say about this movie. I, I agree entirely, actually. I think that the acting was above average for for a Hallmark movie, um, for I sure. I the... Chandler is a bit non-Hallmarky, too, which was interesting to me. I don't yeah. know. I, he just didn't, he seemed very atypical, Hallmark. So anyways, Ben has heard about Kristen's adoption problems. Uh, it's too bad he can't help her out because his dream was always to go into family law, which we'll talk about that later. But he didn't go into family law. He went into corporate law. And anyways, Sabrina starts hitting on Ben. Then... Angie pieces out to go to the train station. She's going back to her place in Yonkers. And a mysterious old man, Christopher, what's his Christopher face? Christopher Lloyd. Thank you. Um, leaves us wondering if this man may or may not be Santa in this first scene, I would say. Right, which I think was actually one of my guesses for what would happen in this movie. So I got I'll that right. That so he's a mysterious old man. He sells her a train ticket that does, definitely does not look like a normal Amtrak ticket. No, it's and like a golden ticket. It, it's a golden Willy ticket, Wonka yeah. From the chocolate factory. There's some sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge involved. So she gets on a train, which looks to be fair, like a normal Amtrak train. I, you know, looks like something yeah. I would see. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, they, they, they changed the livery on like the regular, the regular Amfleet cars from blue to red. Gotta say like that looked really sharp. I think Amtrak should honestly consider that. Well, and yeah, this was so, the, the, the 1015 train to Yonkers. Very important. 1015 train to Yonkers. Yes. And she falls asleep on this train. And when she wakes up, she is no longer on the 1015 train to Yonkers. She is on this extremely Christmas decorated train with Tyler headed to Connecticut to see and her it's family. Daylight. Oh, yeah. And, and it's in the day. In 2011. And it's daylight. Yes. And it's 2011, she figures out. And that's another thing that's sort of striking about this movie is that it does tell us the exact year that this is happening, that this is happening in 2021. She's going back in time 10 years to 2011. This is extremely unusual for Hallmark. They never do this, even when there's time travel involved. Yeah, I, this will probably need like its own little sub segment because I think this, uh, they pin it to particular years and then... They're, they're, you know, they leave, there's a huge elephant in the room if, like, you're time traveling from 2021 to the past and someone asks you, like, hey, what's the future like? And the movie, like, the the movie just completely sidesteps kind of everything that's happened between 2011 and, and 2021 and not to its, not to its favor. The only events that are mentioned as happening between 2011 and 2021 are sports championships like yeah oh yeah this and that world series happens so and so on the super bowl yeah. and but like never mind yeah. we we just survived a worldwide pandemic so tyler and her are on the train They're it's going 10 years earlier and the mysterious old man is now the conductor the mysterious old man who sold her the train ticket yes, he's so he's the, the conductor 
And he's being very mysterious about what's going on, but we figure out that she is now in 2011. She kind of doesn't believe this is going on. And so it's her sort of like pinching herself moment, which she does instead of pinching herself, is she just like kisses Tyler passionately on the lips out of the blue. And I just want to say there was more steam in that one kiss than I've ever seen in a Hallmark movie. Oh yeah, it was out there. Maybe sure. this will be the last nice thing I say about the movie is that the actors actually had chemistry. Um, one thing that I, I'm not able to figure out, and I, uh, Michelle watched the movie with me, and she, we can't kind of parse it either. Tyler, so she's on she's on the train in Connecticut, and it's a steam local. You know, they they got the steam engine, and it's you know very heavily implied to be a magic train, but also Tyler's on it, and it just looks like a regular commuter train that she she's taking to get home. It's not clear to me what the train is supposed to be at that point. Uh, if it's the magic train, why is Tyler on there? And if it's not magic, why are she and Tyler literally the only passengers? That's true. And what, 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 what was the town called? The, you kept saying next stop, blah, blah. Shepherd something. Yeah, Shepherd Pass. I don't know, something like that. So they get to her hometown. She's kind of figuring out what's going on by now that she's back in 2011 with Tyler. He's about to propose and she's about to say no. Except she decides she's going to enjoy it because she actually suddenly can't remember a single reason why she dumped Tyler and she rather likes him now. That was all a mistake and maybe this is her chance to make it right. So anyway, so she immediately commences doing very Christmassy things with her family, including going to a Christmas tree lot because of course she does. There they run into Ben, who is the Santa Claus at the Christmas tree lot. And that's when we learn that they shared their first kiss together when they were 11. And everybody's always sort of thought that they're going to end up together. I also want to point out something about the Ben as Santa scene, which is that her nephew, Henrik, sits on, you know, Ben as Santa's lap and says what he wants for Christmas. And he's like, what I want for Christmas is a little brother. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, how about like, you know, Game Boy or whatever it was? I don't know. And he's like, nope, I want a little brother. This is a pet peeve of mine. Small children in movies who like ask Santa for a sibling. Because I'm sorry, kid, you don't even know how babies are made. You don't get a fucking vote. Like, sorry. The Christmas tree lot scene is also the first time that they establish that Angie's parents are, their marriage is is in some kind of trouble. Right. The dad, I don't know who he was played by. He looked like, speaking of Philly sports, he looked like Doug Peterson, the I former, totally agree. yeah, former Eagles like head Doug coach. Peterson. So that was distracting. I just, so I just kind of read him as Doug the, the entire time. He has this insane plan that they're going to find the perfect Christmas tree by, they're all going to split up through the lot and i don't know like what the plan there is right there's so many flaws in this plan number one no communication method has been established number two no criteria for the perfect christmas tree have been established it's like all right guys find the perfect christmas tree he doesn't say we're looking for something about eight feet high with like this kind of shape perhaps like this particular you know type of fur no just go anyways so at one point she decides to confide in ben and tell him what's going on and that she is from the future and this is when we get all the stuff about, you know, who won the Super Bowl in 2014 or whatever, but nothing about the fact that the world has sucked for the last year and a half. There is no way to talk about the politics of the last 10 years in this movie without making making one third or two thirds of its audience insanely mad. So I get why they're going to sidestep that. But you have someone who is a surgeon at a New York hospital, just to not mention the pandemic at all. Yeah, everything's fine. 
to just totally sidestep it, like it doesn't do what you're trying to do. To me, it was extremely noticeable. It's the first of the moments in this movie, I think, where like it really hit a sour note emotionally and kind of went beyond just being bad because of, you know, the usual like so bad it's good TV movie stuff. So anyways, what we do learn, though, from her, uh, you're completely right, Matt, but what we do learn from her telling Ben about all of these things is that she and Ben definitely love each other. And she doesn't know this yet. She's got gummy worms for brains if she doesn't know that that if she if she can't see that this guy is a thing for her. Oh, yeah, I, I think Ben definitely knows that he loves her and has known for a while, but she also definitely loves him. And this is made clear in a way that, quite honestly, is better than average for Hallmark. So I, I keep saying it'll be the last nice thing I'll say about this movie. But again, it's the chemistry of the actors. The actors have very good chemistry. Their banter, you know, works. It comes off as cute, endearing. They clearly seem to like each other as opposed to be reading from a script. I like that you think she had chemistry with both of them. I do. I think she had chemistry with both of them. Which, which is, that would not usually happen. Well, I mean, they don't have chemistry no. full stop. Usually there's no chemistry but... in Hallmark movies at all. Yeah. No one in a Hallmark movie is ever genuinely attracted to anyone else in a Hallmark movie. So that was nice. She tells Ben everything, including the fact that she knows Tyler's going to propose and she's going to say yes this time. In the meantime, we learn that Kristen, the sister, is going through IVF and it's going badly. And th this also kind of bothered me because, again, so kind of like the the kid you know asking Santa for a little brother now we get a moment where at some point a conversation is being had about what the kid wants for Christmas and everybody's like in front of the kid oh well clearly what he wants is little brother we all heard him tell Santa this and like meanwhile Kristen's going through IVF and it's not going well and you know what a shitty thing to say in front of her kid and then there's a conversation between Kristen and Angie, in which we learn that Kristen thinks that she and Angie aren't close enough. They've never been like really close as sisters. They don't share things. Angie doesn't ask about things. She doesn't know about things in her life, et cetera, et cetera. So this is where in the middle here is where it all gets a bit gray for me. So what what's the deal with, because in my several different times of watching this, all the middle bits, I got distracted in somehow. What is the deal with the ticket and the disappearing words and how does she piece all that together? Oh yeah, I don't even think that's important. And I think they just put that in there to show Christopher Lloyd more. <laughs> instead, of it have, instead of having it be one continuous trip into the past, she keeps waking up on the train again and then going back to the past. Like she's picking up where she, she left has to, to fix something. She's trying to fix something and she doesn't know yeah. what it is. So she keeps trying and trying again, right? Right. Yeah, they... Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, so they, yeah, they, they try to establish some some jeopardy here where she's she's got this ticket and like, Half of it is is blank, uh, which again, which actually feels like a you know sly little Back to the Future uh, reference there too. Mm, with, um, with the pictures, yeah, with the disappearing picture. So, but she's got it, and like it's half blank. And I think they're trying to just establish some jeopardy because Christopher Lloyd warns her more than once that if she doesn't fix what she's come back to fix, she's going to be stuck here, um, which. It's sort of delivered in this really ominous tone. Uh, and this is another one of the things about the movie that just really flopped for me because the Jeopardies, I know it would be annoying to like have to go through medical school again, like getting, you know, being stuck forever in, in 2011, like you just, 
you'll you'll get back to 2021 like you haven't gone back to the middle ages or something right like she could absolutely just like ask for money for christmas and just like she could be set herself up to be a millionaire in in a few years like i like I, I get it. Like I, I hate Mumford and Sons too, but like being stuck in 2011 is like just not enough jeopardy for the amount of like sort of ominous you know tone they gave it. She has to do this several different times. Go back so, in time. And so the first thing she thinks is wrong is the obvious thing, which is she said no to Tyler. So she's going to say yes to Tyler this time. And that's going to make the ticket come back. And then she can go back to 2021 and not invest in Bitcoin. And be married oh. to him. And be married to Tyler. Except he takes her out to this fancy dinner and he's about to propose and he doesn't propose. And what he does instead is he announces that he got this job that he had wanted and, you know, just expects her to be really happy for him. And she's happy for him and everything, except not as happy as she would be because she thought he was going to propose, but he doesn't. So she thinks she knows the reason that he didn't propose. And that's because he's jealous of Ben. And so she goes to best friend Ben and is like, in order to keep my boyfriend from being jealous of you and make him propose to me, you have to pretend to have a girlfriend. And so they get this girl, Chloe. I don't know where she came from. If Chloe is someone's friend, if Chloe's a hired actress, I don't know where Chloe came from. But Chloe's now going to pretend to be Ben's girlfriend. This could have been funny um, in competent, like script writing hands. It wasn't. The fact that you didn't know where she came from is not because you weren't paying attention. It's because we don't know There's where she no came way. from. She feels like she was just kind of parachuted in. I'm sure she was introduced, but yeah, it was one of these characters. Like I'm... I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this person. Right. And, you know, in like a well-written rom-com, something like that would have a lot of comic potential. You know, the sort of like fake boyfriend, fake girlfriend situation. It it did not deliver on that potential in this movie. So anyways, eventually Tyler does propose. He does it with a snowball, which was like kind of clever. They're like having a snowball fight. And then the snowball contains the ring box, except he does something that we talked about in one of the previous movies here, which is he does it in front of everybody, which anyways, I'm not going to go into that again and why that's a bad idea. He proposes with a snowball and she says yes. However, that does not bring her ticket back. And so that's not what it is. Later, we find out Tyler wants to ditch family Christmas and fly to Barcelona to cover a soccer thing for work and wants Angie to come with him. He like surprises her with these tickets to Barcelona that she definitely doesn't want because she definitely doesn't want to go to Barcelona. She wants to stay with her family for Christmas. And he's like, oh yeah, well, when when we're married, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to be doing this stuff for work. We got to travel around. And, you know, Christmas is every year. You can do Christmas next year. This year, we're going to go to Barcelona and do a soccer thing. Okay, so number one, right? The movie starts out, it it sets us up. So it seems like she has an authentic dilemma. She's got chemistry with both with both of the both of the guys you know they're both you know they're both like very handsome tv guys they're you know they're you know they're both very tyler, tyler. is very you know he, he come you know he comes over to the house he's nice to the he's nice to the family he's like he's nice to like her little nephew so they really set this up as like a genuine dilemma and then the minute that he puts a ring on it he just runs straight down the tick box of doomed bad hallmark fiance or boyfriend cliches like rush it just rushes straight down the list of sudden you know sort of out of nowhere like yeah he's starting to take he's taking work calls at you know when they're supposed to be having lunch he just sort of kind of pivots to not showing like any consideration at all for, for her need, you know, what's important to her or even like, you know, as a medical student, do, do you as a medical student have time to fuck off to Barcelona? 
they drop it all out of the sky because it seems like they didn't have like a better way to resolve this dilemma. So that was that was extremely annoying. But also, like if someone sprung tickets to Barcelona on me, sorry, like weird old lady I'm not even related to, like I'm not going to your Christmas party because I'm gonna be in Barcelona. I would absolutely skip christmas with the family to go we to barcelona even, that just reminded me matt we haven't even talked about aunt Mert at all yeah is there aunt a need to another parachute in their character who doesn't matter yeah. aunt Mert is an old lady in town who has an annual christmas party and everyone calls her aunt Mert, but she's no one's actual aunt so that's all you need to know but she's like very dominant in the show but like i mean just because she's the christmas party and we'll get to why the christmas party is important in a minute her job is to like suddenly be an important character in the third act to, to right. make the plot go. The one last thing about this whole, it was incredibly funny to me that the thing that they've got to go to Barcelona for is it's a charity soccer thing. It's going to have all the teams. That was really funny. They could say nothing more specific. They couldn't like name a European soccer club. They could just be like, oh yeah, there's a charity soccer thing on Christmas day. It's going to have all the teams. And then they name a few leagues. They could I'm even sure come that up with, none like, of those yeah. teams would do anything on Christmas Day. No. And, like, this is a fantasy event, obviously. But that's another thing, Matt. When you're talking about, like, oh, yeah, dropping at Mert's party and go to Barcelona. I would love to go to Barcelona. I would not love to go to Barcelona to watch my fiancé work at a soccer thing. No, that's true. Like, he, he sort of pivots immediately to being, like, this... The sort of, like, nice guy, but, like, self-absorbed and work-obsessed... They don't establish any of that for totally. in, until they get there. So totally. it just, yeah, it just seems like they they just invent this out of whole cloth without developing it. Very just just from a storytelling perspective, like really just cheesed me off. I wasn't happy. It's, so anyway, she's not. She doesn't want to go to Barcelona, and she's like, okay, well, we'll at least wait until after you know, Aunt Mert's party or whatever, because she has a plan for Aunt Mert's Christmas party. She is going to save her parents' marriage at Aunt Mert's Christmas party. I can see from look on Matt's face right now, and we texted about this while we were watching the movie. We both had the same reaction to this, which was, this was bullshit. Their marriage is about to fall apart, and you're going to save it by recreating a fucking Christmas party where they met 35 years ago. But that's this, right. That's what she's going to do. This movie has a child's understanding of divorce. Yeah. It really It's uh, like the parent trap, but made in, in 2021 worse i think yeah because the way she's going to save her parents marriage is remind them why they fell in love and the way they fell in love apparently was love at first sight at aunt mert's christmas party 35 years before that's and... exactly what they did in the parent trap it's like oh, not it? different at all they recreate their first date oh god wow i'm it, not it, even it talking about the understanding one with, of... with um what's her name i'm talking about the Haley mills original one. Oh wow they create they recreate their first date that's exactly what they do in order to recreate this date, it seems that they do three things. Number one, she asks Aunt Mert to arrange for the same carol singers to be there that were there 35 years ago. And Aunt Mert's like, well, I don't know. They were getting on in years then. Now they'll be applying for Social Security. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, if they're applying for Social Security now, they're 65, which means 35 years ago, they were 30. They were hardly decrepit. I'm sorry. So that's one thing. Second thing is she's got a list of songs that the carolers are going to sing. I'm pretty sure this is just going to be like a standard list of Christmas carols. Third thing is her mother is going to wear the same dress she wore 35 years ago. And so she pulls this thing where, oh yeah, you know, your dress is at the cleaners. We can't get it back in time. You'll just have to wear something else. I know, mom, why don't you wear this? Trust me, you'll be the most beautiful like belle of the ball or whatever. By the way, this also happens on White Christmas just where like they 
pretend all the suits are at the cleaners and he has to wear his military uniform and then there's this big military anyways and then of course she walks in and the dad falls in love this is where i break my promise not to be horny for lee thompson because like she still looks (laughs) incredible my parents were not divorced like inshallah i will never be divorced but i've had relationships fall apart i've seen relationships fall apart nobody who is over like eight years old thinks that you could save a relationship like this well it is assaulting not only to the complexity of like why people break up but also to why people are together and what's good about good relationships because i am extremely happy in my marriage what's good about my marriage is not the fact that I occasionally wear a hot dress to a Christmas party. Right. Yeah. And at one point, like the, you know, Lee Thompson's character says like, well, you know, our, you know, we, we've been together a long time and we have these, when you get older and you've been together a long time, like the little things that you don't, that you don't have in common, you know, having different hobbies and stuff like that. Well, that, that, that starts to matter, which is the exact opposite of, of how this is supposed to work. It's this very bizarre understanding of both divorce and marriage okay so they get the parents back together then they get the parents back together and the sisters are now reconnecting over the ivf thing so that's the other thing she fixed she fixed her parents marriage she fixed relationship with her sister by just like having a deep heart to heart about the fact that her sister's ivf isn't going well which again if i were this sister i'd be kind of like where have you been this whole time and then she's like it's not that i know the future but I do know the future. And one day you're going to have the perfect little girl. She's just like, I believe you. I'm not going to believe my sister if she told me that. Come on. Everything's fixed now. Her parents are back together. Her relationship with her sister is is repaired. She's engaged to Tyler. But her ticket ticket is still half blank. Still half blank. So clearly everything's not fixed. So then she realizes what we all know she has to do. Which is. What about. Hang on. I got to ask this. What was the deal with the frosty box? Oh yeah, the frosty box. Um, another thing that was kind of didn't need to happen. At some point, there's a white elephant. Little tiny things that didn't matter, which is why I found it slightly hard to follow. So at some point, there's a white elephant gift exchange, and in the gift exchange, you know, Krista and the sister got this box out of the attic that Ben gave to Angie when they were kids. It's a it's a jewelry box with like a frosty the snowman on it. And she wraps it up and it ends up being Angie's white elephant gift. And they reminisce and walk down memory lane about, oh yeah, I remember when Ben gave this to us. We were so young. In fact, I was so young that this still has my candy bracelets in it. Look, and he's like, oh, is there anything else in there? She's like, nope, just candy bracelets. Foreshadowing. Anyway, so there's a frosty box. And she realizes now what she has to do is she has to dump Tyler and get with Ben. And so she dumps Tyler and it is the most Hallmark breakup scenes, uh, breakup scene of Hallmark breakup scenes. They need to where... do a real one sometimes so people have just got it about it. Yeah, they need to do a real one sometime where like people break up and are sad about it. Yeah. Everyone on Hallmark takes breakups And people have so to well. then say, you know what? He wasn't right for you. Like they don't even do that. They're all like, no. oh, you got somebody else? Great. You didn't rush into something weird? That's fine. You know, yeah, nobody comments on the fact that she's just dumped her fiance a few days after getting engaged. Her fiance doesn't really seem to mind that much. He's going to go to Barcelona alone now, and I'm sure he'll be happier that way. And I mean, he says he's sad, but he doesn't show us he's sad. No, no. So, I mean, His I don't think he's still perfectly styled. He's, you know, not moving anywhere. So anyways, meanwhile, Kristen reveals that there is 
something she withheld from the box in the attic. And it was a note from Ben that has been in the box all of these years since they were children, I guess, and wearing candy bracelets. I don't know. And anyways, it's a note in which obviously Ben tells Angie that, you know, he loves her and always will. So then she knows what she has to do. So she confesses her love to Ben over the phone as the train is leaving. And it's like, I love you. We have to get together or whatever, but it's over the phone. She's like, she's like, please come here. The train is leaving. I see you before I leave. And he's like, oh no, I can't make it, blah, blah, blah. And he's stuck in traffic or whatever. Anyways, he doesn't make it. The train leaves, her ticket's back. She's going back to 2021. But on her way back, she tells him over the phone, hey, listen, in 10 years on Christmas Eve, meet me at the Hamilton Inn. At 11 p- like uh, later. I don't think she even said a time. Right. I think she just said like okay. Christmas Eve at the Hamilton Inn. Like, okay, cool. He's just going to chill there all day. Imagine telling like, you know, a good looking like 20 something guy, hey, could you just carry a torch for me for 10 years? <laughs> right. But the other thing about her saying just carry a torch for me for 10 years is something that Matt brought up while we were watching the movie, actually. And that is, are we just assuming she's just going to proceed to like not exist in any of their lives for the next 10 years? Like, yeah, there's, yeah that, that was something yeah. about the, the time travel logic that, I, 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 you know, the, there's more important things to do than nitpick the time travel. Like, I'm sort of willing to be like, you know, fine, I'll suspend disbelief for the for the time travel if like the rest of the movie works. But since the rest of the movie didn't work, so she goes back to 2011 and seems to be like taking the place of her 2011 self. Like she's reliving those events and just making different decisions. Where's her 2011 self while all of this is going on? You know, after like, she goes back to the future, like on December 26th, does like 2011 Angie like wake up with a headache and like doesn't remember any of the like I got engaged. Wait, what? What the, the, the fuck are you talking about? Like, what, what do you mean it's a, what do you mean it's a day after Christmas? Right. So, so Angie's leaving Ben on Christmas Eve, but what does leaving actually mean in the sense that 2011 Angie's supposed to exist somewhere? But I don't know. This is not. Yeah, Ben surely would have just called her the next day and been like, "Hey, remember yeah. when you told me you were gonna break up with that fiance?" Yeah. Like, can we love each other now? uh, Yeah. Like, they're just not going to talk for 10 years. None of them, I guess. So anyways, fast forward to 2021, we find out as it happens, they have been talking for the past 10 years and things have been happening because things are changing. And so now, first of all, her parents are still together. They never broke up. So she's, you know, FaceTiming her parents. She's like, wait, where's dad? And then dad is, you know, shows up with a tray of cookies and he's still there. She's like, oh, dad, you're home. He's like, of course I'm home. Where else would I be? She's like, oh, you know, you didn't move to Phoenix. He's like, no, of course I didn't move to Phoenix. Her parents are still together. Kristen now has her adopted baby because Ben, who is now a family law lawyer, which was always his passion. He never wanted to go into corporate. He wanted to go into family law, you know, helped her out with the adoption and it got finalized. Whose passion is family law? So a mutual friend of Mary and ours is is a lawyer and he spent he spent some time like early, shortly after passing the bar doing family law stuff and I cannot repeat on this podcast what he called his clients, but it was not like a super good name for people who are happy and like making you feel like you're doing something wholesome, like family law, like for every like wholesome, like adoption you work on in family law, there have to be like 50 divorces and just like day, day after day after day of just the sort of relentless parade of people in like the sort of deep in these the sort of depths of of failing relationships and these sort of emotional turmoil and ugly custody fights 
And like once again, like Hallmark, I assume that these script writers like have at, you know, at least they like they had parents or friends who had professional jobs. Like they didn't just, you know, they didn't just get spit out of like a matrix pod into an MFA program and got, you know, Ooh, transported in, in the in back of a truck to in my world, Matt, all of these Hallmark movies, they just have like a plot generator at the Hallmark headquarters. And they just, it's like, it's like a slot machine or something. And there's like 10 dials and they just roll the dice or pull the thing every time. And that's what spits out. Sure. But like, even if, even with like, you sort of like, if you just have like a dial a plot machine, like how do they so consistently get what like other professional careers are like? So anyways, so um... she's at work. She's going to try and get home for Christmas, changing her mind. She realizes she has not missed Christmas in 2021. Right. And it's Christmas Eve. She gets called into work. Because remember, she was on call. Oh, yeah. um, I'm really unclear about why she gets called into work. Couldn't she have just like gone straight to the Hamilton Inn and we not have this thing where she gets called and performs a neurosurgery in between? I don't really know. But she gets called into work. And then afterwards, she's like, oh, shit, I got to get to the Hamilton Inn before it closes. She gets there and it's just closing. And she's afraid she's missed Ben and he's not there, but Ben is there. Ben's been there the whole time because you know what? They've been dating for the last 10 years. That's right. They have it. They've I'm been dating for the last time. 10 years. They've been together this whole time. He's a family lawyer now and he's about to propose to her. And the way he's about to propose to her is the waiter is going to bring on like a covered tray, the frosty jewelry box. And inside the frosty jewelry box it's a ring. is the ring. And she says, yes, of course. So they resolved this whole, like, the one who got away thing by, like, well, the one who got away was actually, it was, the one you think got away is, like, it's actually good that he got away, but we're not going to grapple with this at all. And then there's the other one who, you ran into him in New York before you time traveled. You could have just reconnected with him and started a relationship without needing to involve a time train. But uh, you saved your parents marriage through the magic of 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 wishful thinking so i guess there's that well and then as they are walking out all happily engaged in the restaurant to the, leaving the restaurant the conductor is sitting in like the shoeshine chair or something reading the paper with like a twinkle in his eye with a twinkle in his eye roll credits roll credits there so we before we move on to our usual segments you know there is a reason that we asked Matt to do this particular movie and that was the train nerd factor. So For sure. we've already determined that none of us love this movie, but could we also have a review of just, just the train, like a train inclusion review here? Sure. I would love to, to, to do that. I, first of all, I, I will say that like one of my notes is not enough train. They did actually have like a really nice kind of beauty shot at the end of the, of the steam engine, uh, starting up. If case anybody wants some uh, train facts, the engine they used was a 280 Mikado. Uh, that was a very common type of steam locomotive in the very late 19th century and all through the 20th century up until about 1960. They were used for both freight and passenger service were extremely common, like hundreds of them were built. The particular one we saw in the movie was built in 1920 by the American Locomotive Works of Schenectady, New York. Bounced around the West for a while in its career and was finally sold to the 
the Connecticut Valley Railroad, which is a uh, tourist and heritage uh, steam train. So you can if if you if you hated the movie but loved the train, you can go to Essex, Connecticut and see that locomotive and ride that train. How did you know that that is the particular locomotive wow. that we saw in this movie? The wheel count will tell you with a loco- with a steam engine like what you're looking at. So the two eight two eight two is so means that there's two small wheels up front, you know, one on each side, two small wheels up front called the driving wheels, two small wheels in the back called the trailing wheels, and then eight wheels in the middle called the driving wheels. And the the eight the driving wheels are where the power is actually transmitted. So that's how where steam does engines the time travel happen. The flux capacitor. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so that's how the Mikado was just kind of a nickname for uh, that that type of engine, because one of the earliest customers for it was actually the uh, precursor of Japan, uh, Japan Railways. They were briefly during World War II in America, they were referred to as MacArthur's uh, rather than Mikado's for uh, presumably obvious reasons. And then I just did a little bit of research on like that particular locomotive. The tourist railroad that owns it has like a lot of lot of records for it. So I was able to I was able to dig that stuff up. So wow. you dug that stuff up by checking something on IMDb or Hallmark to see where they got the train or I think I had to do like it had a it had a the locomotive number on it, and I knew it was oh, okay. built by I knew it was built by by Alco because they actually had a built. There's one shot in the trailer that you can see the builder's plate on the front of the locomotive. So once I did like Alco two eight two and forty, I was able to track down where it was wow. uh, where the movie was filmed, and they they had done a little bit of publicity. Apparently, this a, a few movies have been shot uh, at this this railroad. So. So this is, you know, another another one for them. I have to say, um, this isn't quite related to the trailer, but it reminded me the poster for this, like the train has like a lightsaber coming out of it. Oh yeah, this is a full like sci-fi action movie poster. No, I was like, whoa, I don't know. It was very space agey. That is incredible research on the trains. Well, well above and beyond I, I anything I've been able to put together for sure. So that is impressive. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. But I think we should talk about the really stereotypical bingo moments for us in this one. I am going to start. So the first thing I wrote down was that because I have a couple and, and they were all like in the first 10 minutes. So I'm sure there's more that you guys picked up on is that Tyler had serious hallmark hair, I would say. Maybe Mary would disagree. But oh, Tyler- hold on. Yeah, he kind of did. It just worked on him. I didn't notice because he's yeah. hot. It was pretty hallmarky. Yeah, it's a Hallmark little hair, bit more right. a little bit more tousled than normal potentially, but it was okay. pretty tousled. Does it for me? Yeah, tousled hallmark <laughs> hair. And then the other thing was the Christmas tree farm. Even though they were like so lax about what they were looking for, it still was. I mean, if it, it's literally not a hallmark movie. Unless they go to a Christmas tree farm, I think. If the ones that they don't go to one, they should just not make those. This should be the free space on the Hallmark bingo card. There were a lot of bingo moments here, but the first one I noticed was very early when we're still in 2021 before we leave. Henrik, the nephew, builds a gingerbread house that's insanely good. 
Uh, yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's another bingo card moment is somebody, especially a child, oh, he's, building he's an unrealistically good. The... Yeah, he wants to be an architect. Kids like 13 at this point. I don't know. Insanely unrealistically good gingerbread house is definitely a, a Hallmark bingo thing. What about you, Matt? In a way that my brain kind of alighted over all of the bingo moments because I was too busy being mad about like other like structural stuff that was that was broken. It feels like every one of these I watch, the Christmas tree lighting scene gets more and more perfunctory and half-assed. There was going to be like a Christmas. They're just only, they're just lighting the star on on Christmas uh-huh. Eve. So I guess you've just had like a, a a tree in the town square with like no no star on it. But it's like there, but it isn't turned on or something. And then there's a, you know, there's going to be a sing along, which just it sounds just just fucking excruciating to like stand around with like all the townspeople in this sleep. I would not do that. I wouldn't enjoy that. Hashtag relatable with whole marked up. Now, um, this is probably going to be even harder, the our hashtag relatable moment. To be fair, I've always talked about how the ones where they go back in time and they get a chance to see their life again are always my favorite. But that's totally unrelatable because that would never, ever happen to anyone in a million years. Even though after we watched Boyfriends of Christmas Past, I had three individual dreams that I was visited by Boyfriends of Christmas Past after watching that movie. So maybe just talking about being able to redo my life again, I will have some crazy dream in the next few nights where I get to pick a different avenue and see what happens. But I picked that his name was Ben Lee. So the reason I say that's relatable is that I mentioned this to you guys. So my favorite Australian rocker or like guitar player is actually, his name is Ben Lee. He was with Claire Danes for a long time. He's not anymore. He's actually married to a woman called Ioni Sky. He was kind of, I don't know. He, he probably had a couple hits that would have been big here. He, he had a very famous song called Catch My Disease that was like, quite popular and when in the very 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 youthful days of my early 90s he had a song called pop queen and he was like 14 years old when he got that release and he became quite famous in from that even in the u.s and that's where i first heard about him and then but he very famously as well so he had um he had this album called awake is the new sleep that came out in 2005 that had catch my disease on it he was not on like i think mainstream like u.s radio but no, he was definitely on would have been independent radio yeah he was on he was on like, here in, in philadelphia he was on uh he was on wxpn a lot which That's is the exactly yeah where he would have yeah been, for sure yeah he had he had another song that that his his manager told this when he was on stage once uh jokingly said you probably never should sing those two songs next to each other and it was Catch My Disease. And he had another song called Sex Without Love. And he advised him to <laughs> never, ever, ever sing those two in a row in the set list ever. He's amazing. And when they said his name was Ben Lee, I was like, what? He's a real person. And he's way better than that guy. But I just want to point out that still doesn't make the fact that this character is named Ben Lee exactly 
relatable. It's just that like that's we had to scrape for relatable moments on this one. Oh, Though, to be fair, true. In the last did, one, I used to fact that cheer for him a slightly more okay. because of because of that. But but the, he was going to win fair, anyway. In the last movie, the, my relatable moment was that the you know the main character falls in love with a man named Kyle, and I, I know in we're, fact, we're, we're 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 on the struggle train. And it's yeah, just, I, I I am married to a Kyle, so that was yeah. That's right. What about you, Mary? What was relatable for you? <laughs> so I kind of alluded to this earlier, and, and I it was a stretch here. I did have to kind of scrape for a relatable moment. But so she's a neuro, neurosurgeon, which I do not relate to. I'm not a neurosurgeon. However, she has a job that's like a cool job and a good job that, however, is not her life. And the fact that she has this job usually in a Hallmark is going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be a plot point where she's a workaholic and she needs to step back. It's going to be a plot point that she's somehow unfulfilled and she needs to do better or, you know, reach harder or, you know, get this promotion or whatever. And it was neither of those things. It was just like, she has a job and she's happy with it and that's fine. And that doesn't need to be her life because there are also, you know, like other things and people in your life. That is true, Mary. There wasn't like a big job goal in fact this is one where we commented that did we need to even know what she did for her job except that she didn't go home for christmas because of it yeah so i mean like you know the fact that she's a surgeon you that was probably actually like a little bit unnecessary she could have been anything but i kind of liked the fact that she could have been anything you know i'm i'm sort of sick of these movies where the career is either this impediment to happiness or it's this like stand-in for feminism because we don't want to do the any of the work of like actual feminism in this movie so we're just going to make it like rah rah girl power that she could be a go-getter and get this promotion when she does the big presentation for the thing on christmas eve and how about like she has a job maybe she likes it she seems to like her job that's fine she does something fulfilling and it's not her life and she also has a life and she has people she loves and cares about and that's also you know that's okay yeah Matt, I, I have to admit, I'm a bit nervous to ask what your relatable moment might have been. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you two. The first relatable thing, if a mysterious like steam train ever like pulled up on my regular work commute, I would absolutely 100% get on it. Like I would, you know, where, where's this going? Uh, the land beyond the veil, uh, like a, a gingerbread cabin in the woods. Like, I, I don't care. I'm getting on the train. So that, that, that much was relatable. Um, you, you would have a magical golden ticket for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Magical. Go- yeah. I, I don't care. Where's it? Oh, is this train haunted? Oh, all right. That that's fine. I'm still getting on the, I, I think kind of the more, the more serious one. So the movie, the movie's going for this, like sort of the one that got away thing. And that, does not resonate with me and it's not that that one's not the movie's fault like i i married the person that you know if there is like such a thing as like the person you're supposed to be married to like i'm married to her but i did uh, you know the way ben is sort of like you know sort of hopelessly like like this sort of heart sick in love with like the girl that he went to you know, that he went to they grew up with and went to school with like i actually have been there with you know with a with an old friend of mine that we 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 knew each other in high school we were we were close friends kind of after i had you know, i had graduated college and was just sort of bumming around south jersey with kind of no clear plans on what to do and really you know, like 
you know, we were really did like carry a torch for her for a long time. And then we, we did actually end up getting together. And this is where we divert from the the plot of the movie because it, it was a disastrous failure and like never should have happened. But up until that point, that, that part was, was relatable to me. Wow. That's a side I didn't know about you, Matt. That's very interesting. Wow. Your high school story. We could write a, a Hallmark movie about that. And then, because they often, as you know, end up with their high school original dude or whatever. But then, you but know, the plot twist story will be, yeah. is that that's, that's not the case, that that was a disaster. And, and I often talked about writing a movie that went back in time and the high school person was not right. I've often said we need to write one like that. That's like, no, you shouldn't have ended up with this person. Just because you had a bad day with the person you're with now doesn't mean that you need to go marry your high school boyfriend. <laughs> because that's the stereotypical story. Very few people should marry their high school boyfriends. Okay, before we get into the rewrite, I'm just going to back us up to uh, what we predicted, Mary. I, I'm looking back at my notes. So my plot was that it was a train trip to Christmas Town that went awry and they that the, the, it got delayed or something and they end up in a town that is not and she like christmas town was gonna have snow and she like lived in la or something like that and now she's stuck in the desert and it's not gonna be what she wanted at all so no not right no that didn't happen what did i predict did i predict time travel or not mary predicted a public transit finding love due to the magic of christmas like people oh yeah that would have been better computers so neither one of us got it right. No. Bingo yeah, my story moments, was good though. Bingo moments. I said there would be a really typical hot chocolate in the snow kind of moment, but I don't think there was. No, I didn't see any hot chocolate in this one. There was barely any snow, maybe at the at the Christmas tree farm. Anyway. They ran out of budget for the Digi Snow. Digi Snow, exactly. They Mary, spent it all on Christopher say, Lloyd and Leah Thompson. You did say a man who may or may not be Santa Claus would be in Woo-hoo. this movie. So that is one win. And then <coughs> relatable, I said having to deal with Christmas and the climate that you weren't expecting, which again didn't happen in this movie. And you said, Mary, this person would love reading on a train and she falls asleep on the train and then she misses her stop, but she finds love on the train anyway. I feel like I get half a point because she does fall asleep on the train and miss her stop in a sense, but she's not. No, I, I sorry. I didn't say she'd fall asleep. I said she'd miss it because she was reading. So I don't think I get that point. So not our best on the predictions, but um, let but me. I, I get the point for the old man with the twinkle. So. You definitely do. You definitely do. That's for sure. so how to rewrite this movie none of us liked it how are we going to save it we all kind of agreed that there could be more train i'm not quite exactly sure how to incorporate that but i think the thing that was really underutilized here was the fact that they had two stars from back to the future and it was only mildly underscored to be back to the future in the sense that it was just a time traveling movie with time traveling people and i i think it needs to be i don't know the christmas back to the future that's more of what we would like yeah so so here's my thought on this and and i think like you're gonna do a time traveling train 
and like the jeopardy is going to be like you you have to get this done or there's going to be terrible consequences like commit to the bit like we're not going back to 2011 like she falls asleep on the train and she wakes up and it's she's in penn station and you know just tromps up the stairs and it's it's 1960 she's an old penn station like we pan back and all these iron and glass and pink travertine and i just went ahead i so i just blew the whole budget for this on this <laughs> shot but she's in old new york and she meets her grandparents and she and she thinks that she's like you know in a back to the future reference she thinks that she's messed up their first meeting and is going to erase herself from history if she doesn't fix it all right, cool. I had to go look up some pictures of old Penn Station. And is this the one, Matt, that they've now redone in New York? So what they did across the street from Penn Station, across um, I think it's across Eighth Avenue. Yes. Was the was the US post office. So this used to be the main post office for New York. It was designed and built by McKim, Mead, and White, who had also built Old Penn Station. And the the tracks and the platforms all run underneath of the post office. So the, the post office doesn't need the whole building anymore. So they converted it into a, um, basically what they call it, Moynihan Train Hall. It's kind of a glorified waiting room for Amtrak. Yeah. Okay. That's... It does look like the original Penn Station was very cool. So, you know, we all said that we wanted more train in the rewrite. And I think Matt's on to something with our plot for the rewrite. So could we have the entire grandparents meeting thing somehow revolving around old Penn Station? Yes, absolutely. If you're going to, if you're going to like make the the money on Penn Station. if, if you're going to build the sets and like make the thing in, in CG, then yeah, I think you absolutely need to use it for more, uh, use it. They're supposed to meet, meet at Penn station. They're supposed to meet at Penn station. Are they supposed to meet on a train? Are they supposed to meet like, what's their deal? Are they both going somewhere? Is one of them a ticket seller or, or you know, I think it's like a sort of a, sort of two ships passing in the night thing. They're both kind of hurrying to their respective trains and like, bump into each other at least like that's the story that 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 our protagonist knows you know i think she got it like she opens the movie like she's visiting like her sick grandmother and like oh granny's telling another boring story about about gramps who i never even met and, you know you know that's very nice but i i have to get back to my exciting life in new york now and then she so she's got this like half remembered story that she wasn't paying attention to and she thinks she's disrupted their first meeting because she runs into, we'll say her grandmother in Penn Station. And she runs into her grandmother and her grandmother perhaps stops to help her with something. Like she finds herself in some kind of distress, right? So yeah. she has, you know, twisted her ankle at some point running around looking for them in her 60s kitten heels that she doesn't know how to run in because now she's wearing those. And her grandmother stops and, you know, is a nurse and wants to like tend to her ankle or whatever. And she's like, no, you can't do this because if you stop, you're going to miss your train. And if you miss your train, of course, the unspoken part is you won't meet my grandfather and I will never exist. But what she doesn't know is that the grandmother does miss the train because she helped her. And 
catches a later train, and that's the one where she meets the grandfather, and it was supposed to happen the whole time. I like this a lot. That's very good. This is a much better movie already. Yeah, I think you just have, uh, you can have a lot of fun with, with, you know, just old New York and and jazz clubs and and just, just really characters you know, in the station. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's 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 some potential there. So, what about her, her? Does she have a love story, or is this literally all about trying to get the grandparents together to save her potential butterfly effect problem? If there is one for her, I I think it's fairly minor. I think. Like most of these, as far as I know, like all of these movies, like the protagonist is the one who is the, you know, having the the romantic, um, uh, the romantic dilemma. Put her in the perspective of one of these like pushy, nosy people who like, you know, who tries to hitch other people up with each other. Like maybe she's got a boyfriend back home. Maybe she doesn't, but I I don't think that's the, that's the important thing. Other, you know, maybe she learns to appreciate like romance a little bit more. Yeah. I I think that that is good because it, like you said, it's always about their love life and maybe, I don't know, maybe she's just sort of realizing that there's more important things along the way but but i guess the whole point is that her grandfather and grandmother fall in love but i also like that christopher lloyd with christopher lloyd and leah thompson being so underutilized like to see them be more and and i don't think maybe they're not falling in love with each other because that feels a little bit too distant but i i don't know who is playing who but i think using them more as actual main characters would be better and the girls almost like a secondary character that's just driving the plot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you cast you cast Lee Thompson as the protagonist's like great grandmother. You know, in so in nineteen sixty, she's because she you know she's she's an older woman. Maybe she kind of has an idea that something strange is happening here. I kind of don't know what to do with with Christopher Lloyd in the actual movie. Like they did not. They didn't have, I don't think they had any scenes together at all. So you got to get them in there. To be fair, in Back to the Future, I think they only had Lee Thompson and um, Christopher Lloyd only had one scene together in that movie. Right. Um, But I don't even remember that scene, what it would have been. I was wondering if Christopher Lloyd could be some kind of famous neurosurgeon that she meets in the train station that's like becomes her inspiration for becoming a neurosurgeon herself. I maybe not a neurosurgeon because in 1960 that would have mostly be doing lobotomies. Yeah, that's probably which not is the best that's a that's a little too dark, I think, even <laughs> even for you know even for this rewrite. Uh, but yeah, definitely like as some like I, I think sort of semi heroic figure to her. And then that it's she, like a, a nod to Doc Brown in some ways. Yeah, not yeah. The same kind of doctor, but there's got to be something that gets her to be a doctor. I think from from Christopher Lloyd, and he, I mean, he, he could be a surgeon, maybe to... not a neurosurgeon. But... Exactly. And she can maybe Leah be... Thompson like doesn't like the doesn't like the the grandfather at first. Yeah, except them getting together has to be sort of the ending. So I'm not sure we have time for her to not like the grandfather. No, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, they always get that done in uh, Hallmark. Maybe she thinks that her daughter needs to get out more and be independent. And she didn't really want to go on this trip to begin with. And she's been pushing her to go on the trip. 
and it's going to be fateful. Yeah, I think that works. She's got to be, yeah, she's got to be instrumental to it in one way or another. Right. Like this trip is, she's kind of like, dear God, like you're working too much. Like take your vacation days. You're going to go to Vermont for this skiing adventure in a winter wonderland because, you know, like you need to have some fun in your life and you never have any fun. And then it's en route, en route, sorry, that she meets the grandfather. So if she's meeting her grandmother and her great-grandmother and her grandmother has to meet the granddad, who would play the grandmother? Is it someone that, is it like... I don't have strong feelings about that, whatever. Yeah. It's but just, is it somebody you, that like looks like the girl, but older? Or about the same age as her? Like, they'd be about the, I guess they'd be about the same age. Yeah, you just, yeah. you know... Or, you, or you, could she you, play both and she has a different hairdo? You know, I, I go... Uh, I'm of sort of two minds. I can't decide if I think that's like a little too cute or like extremely good. I'm kind of leaning extremely good. I can't because that's a little bit back to the future, you know, and a little bit hallmark actually, because they tend to do some, and then a little bit parent trap. And then it can be this funny thing that they're always commenting like, we, you know, we look so much like, like through the whole movie, they can be like, you know, the grandmother can be like, why do we look so much alike? Who's your, who's your mom? Like, who's your dad? Like, are you sure that you're not from New York? You know, are you sure that? That's right. And she's always got a story and I don't know. What and she's always like, is. Oh no, it's just complete coincidence for just doppelgangers. It's just, right. yeah. The, you know, there's a lot of like possibilities for zany mix-ups. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be good. So she's playing both characters in this movie because then that draws the parallels to her and her mother down the track looking like they do. Yeah. When it gets back to, days of now so it's got to be some locket with a picture of her when she visited the great-grandmother or something you know yeah yeah for sure appears in 2021 and they're like oh yeah that was a picture of your great-grandmother and your grandmother when they were young at penn station present day she visits her grandmother in the nursing home and like like you know the the lame christmas present she gets is like this locket that has like you know, her grandmother as, as a young woman and her grandfather as a handsome young man, uh, you know, because she's kind of, she, you know, kind of non-Hall, unlike Hallmark, she's just kind of, like, she's just kind of snotty and like, yeah, whatever, grandma. But, you know, she realizes she looked, you know, there's a critical moment where she's like trying to figure out what's happened to her when she's gone back in time and she has the locket and she looks at it and she puts it together. Because her- she has to recognize her grandfather somehow too, like. Yeah. Sure. And we have to recognize her grandfather. We as audience members. Yeah, and who is, is that the Ben Lee character? Oh no. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's keep him. I like him. We could we could bring him back and he's the playing the, the grandfather at the Penn station running. I'm sad we're getting rid of Tyler, but he had to go, I guess. He was a shoddily constructed character. We have no use for him. He could just be her the granddaughter's side guy when we get back to normal life. Yeah, just a yeah. There that's the go. boyfriend she's got waiting for her. There we go. And, and I'm, she I'm cool real, then maybe she wasn't totally sold on him, but then after she gets to the bottom of her grandparents' love love affair, he seems a bit more something's good about him. Palatable. But I mean, yes, it's slightly parallel. But like looking at all these pictures of Penn Station, I love I love where it's going to take place. I think it will be stunning. Very much. It's going to be great. And then Penn Station. Not only does it look like Penn Station, but it's also fully decked out for Christmas, which just blew a whole bunch more money as well. 
Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the railroad ever actually did that, but absolutely it should be just all the way decked out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether or not the railroad actually did it, we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, The Pennsylvania Railroad in 1960, like, did not have money for, uh, for Christmas decorations or, or, uh, really Penn Station. They, they, the reason why it's not there is because they, they sold it in, or they sold the above ground portion to be demolished in 1963. Should we predict another movie from next week and then wrap things up? We should. Let me check out the, the titles for next week besides that one. I'm going to pull up my trusty Hallmark app. Okay. So next week we have. Okay. So on movies and mysteries, which we haven't watched one of them yet, we have one December night. Then that could be about literally anything. I know exactly. Then we have open by Christmas, my Christmas family tree, and a holiday in Harlem. Let's try open by Christmas. Okay. Open by Christmas, I think there's going to be some kind of family business involved because it's Hallmark and there are often family businesses involved and it has been closed for renovations and they're afraid it will stay closed forever, but they're going to open by Christmas. Okay. I'm going to say that family business is a very good guess. I'm going to say that it's more in relation to I mean, it sounds bad, but like, I think it's about a gift that that's like gone missing and it absolutely needed to be opened by Christmas, but they can't find it. Matt, do you have a guess? Yeah, I, I think I'm with Mary. Uh, it's about a family business, particularly, I specifically, I think it's about a Chinese restaurant that <laughs> they have to get it. They have to get it opened because Christmas day, you know, they're, they're actually a Chinese restaurant in a, in a, in a Jewish neighborhood and like Christmas day is the biggest day of the year. And other than the reference to the holiday, there's like no Christmas stuff in it at all. It's just (laughs) a drama about, about a family of hardworking immigrants trying to get their, their restaurant opened in time for the biggest day of the year. I love this. It'll be the least Hallmark movie of the the time. Hallmark movies. No Christmas, just a hardworking, a drama about a hardworking family of immigrants. Um, all right. Um, well, if if we do find out what any of those will be like, I'm sure there's one. I mean, who knows what actually will happen? Maybe one, any three of us could be right here. But there's one thing we know for sure, certain, and that, and is, that is they will, they will, will fall, fall in love. love. Yeah. So tune in next week, where we're hopefully going to take a little pause from the Hallmarkian lifestyle, and uh, maybe step into the real 2021. Okay. Cool. Thank you for listening to Hallmark Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmark Up, and on Facebook at Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.